Welcome to Pili, Raul, and La Musica, supported by United Airlines, Sure Microphones, and Jack Daniels. For more information, follow us at Pili, Raul, and La Musica. So this band has been playing for over about 25 years. They're going on 25 years. They've won a couple of Grammys. Um, they have been U.S. ambassadors, right? They have their own day. The city of Los Angeles gave them their own day. It's April 23rd. It's also Motley Day. They've played for the President Obama twice. They've played the Hollywood Bowl four times, the Greek Theater eight times, over 50 countries. So I guess let's give a big, big, big round of applause to LA Hometown Heroes, also Motley, everybody. So we got Will, Jiro, Justin, Azdrew, Raul, and Ulysses. Collectively, these guys are Ozomatli. Big round of applause. Is this like a Chente show where you have yeah, to do a shot? Yeah, everybody do a shot. Song. Guys got fancy water. Guys, we're so excited to have you here. It's such an honor for us to have you in Pilitao en la Musica. Ozomatli is such a part of the L.A. scene and the history of music in L.A. And it's really a privilege for us to have you here. And I can't emphasize that enough. So, again, thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. This place is cool. We didn't know we were showing up, and there's like a party. I was like, when Raul was like, "Please don't tag," I was like telling the guys not to, you know, yeah, use yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the spray paint. Oh, yeah, leave the graffiti at no, home. No, no, be sure to no set tripping <laughs> in the room number seven. Well, you guys are a party band, so it kind of like goes yeah. with the theme, right? Gang activity goes with there the theme. I'm no, just joking. <laughs> well, first off, congratulations on 25 years, or almost 25 years. Yeah. Yes, thank you so coming much. Coming up on that big milestone. So before being Ozomatli, they were Todos Somos Marcos. Yes, that was well, the first name. Okay, that was the first name. Where did that come from? Because none of you are named Marcos. You want to do a? Do you want to do a dog work? For you guys in the back, you can uh, just you pull just that pull that it off. off. The stand. Yeah, you act like there you've never, you you act like you've never done this before. Yes. Pull it off. Pull it off. <laughs> it was actually Somos Marcos, and somebody put Todos in front of it, but, okay. which means we are Marcos, uh, which we were in solidarity with the Zapatista movement in Chiapas. Um, and so, yeah, um, that's when we were, when we first got together, we were actually, uh, we came together to raise money for a youth, uh, building in LA that was a youth center that it was a center dedicated to arts and inner city youth, um, and to raise money for that building, you know, all of the musicians came together just to, uh, play for free and we charged five bucks and with that money we paid for, uh, you know, linoleum for break dancers, uh, spray paint for for artists, uh, you know, drums, bass amp. And you could just come to the center and do whatever, you know, you wanted. Because at that time in, you know, 1995, there wasn't a lot of places for young people to express themselves in L.A. You know, um, MacArthur Park, which was close to there, was super fucked up. Like there was a lot of drugs there and stuff. And so you couldn't really go there. Yeah, we were just trying to bring that to the to the youth. So then, who was who was the one who thought about Ozomatli? But Ozomatli is is an Aztec 
character from the Aztec calendar, and it's a little changuito. It's a monkey. Um, it's a little mischievous monkey, which goes very well with who you guys are. But who was who thought about the name? Our original drummer, Anton. Because we were transitioning from Somos Marcos. We were trying to find another name, and... Um, He's like, Ozo Motley. And we're like, what the fuck is that? You know? <laughs> I know it's, it, it's, it is like that, too. Ozo Malty, Ozo Matley. Ozo we get Motley it, crew. We get it Ozo all. Crew. That's what you get for naming your band. I think that's my Nawa. favorite, Ozo Fucking Motley. dead language. My favorite is Almost Motley. Ozo, oh, yeah, or So-So Motley. Yeah. That's a good one. So... It was our drummer, Anton, and uh, he was like, yo, Ozomali, it's the god of dance and all these cool things. It turns out it was his astrological symbol in the, in, in, you know, the day he was born. And we just thought it was super cool, you know, the imagery, the vibe of, of it being the god of dance. And that was kind of the initial energy where all of us came from different musical backgrounds. And the one thing that unified us all was wanting to get people to dance and enjoy themselves. You know, that was kind of like the... Obviously, the message and the politics and all that, too, but that was the thing, you know? Well, man, 25 years later and so many albums, I want to go back a little bit to some of those first records. You know, you guys have toured all over the world, and you guys play for so many different types of crowds. What do you guys hear when you guys play and listen to some of those original first songs and recordings? I mean, I, I, you know, the first, for, for me, the first song on the the song i love the most on the first record is olele because it's a mix of like afro-cuban kind of rhythms that people were into i had heard those songs i heard people sing those songs i never played anything like that and to kind of understand what we were doing was melding um maybe a certain style into straight like kind of like swingy funk style that we would just mash all that stuff together and i think for us from the get-go it was about like what are you into Oh, I'm into this. Wow, I don't know what that is. What is, what, what what do I play with that? And then trying to learn something from that so that we can bring it into something maybe that the rest of us were comfortable with. But we were all just bringing ideas. It was a space, and I think the the joy of the of this band is was that, in the, especially in the beginning, we could bring in any kind of song and say, "Hey, let's try this, or let's learn this, or let's see what we could do with it." So a song like that that goes from like traditional Afro-Cuban chanting to straight up funk which for me like that kind of mix and stuff is always something that i look forward to playing still I mean, it's fun well it's a it's an incredible mix of different styles and genres that you guys have been able to flawlessly just mix together so congratulations on all that congratulations uli, uli. yeah <laughs> congratulations you uli. did it raul's gonna buy me a burrito after the podcast oh, yeah. and shit and like he wants to go to del rey yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. all the way Oh, she, who, who knows? Dan Pico Rivera representing over here <laughs> wow. in the front row. He got all sorts over here. I know. How wow. often does that happen on this side of town? Pico <laughs> Rivera, Holmes. You know, that's cool. That's how we roll. I know. It's a little, you know, it's funny, like the podcasting, but it's like an audience. Yeah. It's like, it's like, hello, everybody. How you doing? You know? Yeah. You know? Like, well, we definitely want to bring the people to you. Yeah, yeah, well, we're trying to be entertaining, too, because they're, like, sitting here listening just to us talk. Woody, there's shit. no way you're not entertaining. Oh, no. That's where you're wrong. Jack Daniels true, helps, helps, huh? True. We need to talk stories about Jack Daniels, huh? <laughs> Drinking that shit in the stalls at the Olive Garden in Downey, huh? <laughs> Tell us at the Quiet Cannon. <laughs> See what you started? Neighborhood. <laughs> 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 Music has kept you guys together for almost 25 years, but 
as you said, what actually brought you together for the first time was social issues. And to this day, social talking about social issues is part of the DNA of Ozomatli. However, you guys don't do it in a dogmatic or preachy way. How do you make that happen? I think all of us in one way or another were fans of message music and music that had message had influenced us quite a bit, whether it be James Brown, Bob Marley, or your Fela's, or your all the punk bands that or been you know had messages and things like that. And I think we all kind of saw that our if there was one thing that we could contribute to things that we felt were important was our presence and our music. So I think in a lot of ways it's like it was always one of those things that when an issue resonated between all of us as a group is the ones where we kind of like well, yeah well, let's do something for it and for like a whole year we were like almost like the house band of you name the cause in LA <laughs> and it was like Ozomali will play for free <laughs> yeah and it's yeah and it's and it's still kind of like that and yeah, well, uh, thank you guys for playing for free there you go yeah, yeah. appreciate that spoken like a true angelino thank you <laughs> It's, a, it's always funny because like when we play the free shows, it's like everybody comes through. Like Ever <laughs> since that Santa Monica Pier show, it's, like, it's always been kind of like that. But I think that it, exactly that. It has always been part of our DNA as a band, as, especially in the genesis of, of the creation of the band. And then after that, in the evolution, you, it's like even when we were doing uh, cultural ambassador work, it was like one of our big things was always like we had to like – play for the locals and also for free obviously and then also visit something like some sort of community outreach of some sort whether it was like a, a music school for kids in india in old delhi or if it was this or like an orphanage in south africa like we had to be involved somehow you know right. well let's fast forward then a little bit to present day and i've seen you guys so many times at different venues around town and even in new york we've shared the stage at prospect park but I saw you guys at the Greek the other day. You guys have a brand new single called Otro Lado. I love the story that you brought up where you started talking about your your Theo on stage. You literally you guys literally broke down the set, like in the middle of the set, everybody's partying, dancing, and Uli, you get on stage and you're like, I wanna tell you a little bit about my Theo and hear some messages. Explain the way all that came about. Okay, well, the song itself, Otro Lado, which is paired with this other song called Libertad, which we have Charlie Tuna back into the fold, right. and we have Olmeca on that track. Obviously, it's a reaction to what's been going on, especially with the immigrants and the immigrant situation, and also what we feel is almost like state-sanctioned, state-sponsored child abuse, basically, mm -hmm. separation of kids with their families, you know? And it's such a heavy thing that it's like we write a cumbia about it. So kind of it's like almost like a jubilant thing that the song itself has this funky energy. But exactly that, we had to like figure out how are we going to present this song to these crowds with all kinds of different political opinions. So usually like comedy or like making some sort of kind of like sarcastic references. We, you know, and so we fucking, I came up with the story about my deal. Is it a true story? No. <laughs> But no, well, I do theater. have a. Wait, wait, no, here's the it's thing. Theater. Hold on, hold on a it's second. I have a deal that was illegal for a long ass time here, you know? Close enough. But that worked. So okay. I used him as like my point of reference of just how, you know, like just how uh, the dynamic of like uh, all the variables that can happen in the human experience that why, you know, people are coming back and forth and what their reasons are. So I just kind of used my Theo as kind of like an example. Like the story, I don't know if you guys seen us play live, but the story is, is I, I talk about how my Theo... Do the bit. 
the bit. Yeah, okay. Yeah. By the so, way, Theo is uncle. Uncle, yes. If you lived in LA, you probably figured that one out. So, so that's like the thing. It's like my tío, my uncle is in Mexico and he had to go over there for family issues and now he's trying to get back. But obviously the political climate and everything that's going on is really fucking rough. So what do I do to keep his spirits up? So the joke is, is that I send him a snippet of a Donald Trump speech where he's like, urging the crowd it was i guess a graduation speech to get over that wall to do it you can do it you know <laughs> so it's just you know kind of like fucking weird juxtaposition of like donald trump telling my immigrant uncle to fucking do it like he can do it you know <laughs> so that's the story and then we play the song and it's just kind of like throws it out there that how we feel i mean that song is kind of a small thing but in the bigger sense of how we feel about the immigration situation. You guys are very much an L.A. band, and obviously you're very ethnically diverse. How does L.A. sound to you? Because you always describe yourself as like an L.A. sound, or the media describes you as like, Ozumatli, it's the L.A. sound, but how does L.A. sound to you? I mean, it's a multicultural city, so for us, you know, I think no matter what neighborhood you go in, grow up in, like I grew up in Boyle Heights, and... Uh, you know, predominantly Mexican, Mexican-American, but you get outside and you have everything. But also in that community, because it's a modern city, you hear all kinds of stuff, no matter what. I mean, so I think for us, this is just, this is, it's not like a big deal. Like this is the modern world. It's not a big deal. And, and the fact that people still think, oh, wow, it's so diverse or it's so this or it's so that, like none of us, none of us care. It's irrelevant because our experience is that there's all kinds of people in the city. There's all, whenever we go to, to places, there's all kinds of people. And I think for us, you know, we're, we, there's definitely a segment of society who's, who walks and, and talks and acts in that realm, which is like, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, I got, and for us, it was like, we, we all had something to learn from one another and, and a lot of guys have known each other for a long time. So, you know, I loved, one of the things I loved about when we would travel, like representing LA or something, or like the US, you know, we would show up and people would go, what? You see the Beach Boys? <laughs> we were like, and we were like, this is really, this is really how it is. Like, don't, like all this other, this other mythology is kind of, you know, it's not. Bro, who was the first cholo in Nepal? <laughs> Yes. It's in the history That's book. exactly Tell me it. You know, the first guy rocking Cortez's. Hey, you want to see the tattoos? tattoos? Yeah. And so, I mean, there was a quote. You know, there was a thing where we always always say like, the sound of Ozo Motley is like driving down Sunset and hearing all the different kinds of music coming out of different people's cars, right. rancheras, norteños, corridos, and the boom. And then another car is bumping hip hop, and then another car is bumping some Jamaican music and whatever. It's just that. I guess that cacophony <laughs> of it, of, of, of that mix. And of course, not every mix we do is amazing or works, but I think it's when we find that, like I'll never forget that, like I, one time uh, in the beginning of writing, like I think it was Cumbia de los Muertos, where it was like Will Dog playing this like bass line that was very reminiscent of, of Family Man from, you know, the Bob Marley band and, yeah. and just putting that, reggae over the cumbia and, and i mean this was like mid 90s so no one really was doing that type of shit at the time you know well it's funny because i was in uh years back i was in a record store and i was you know buying stuff for the radio show you know i was looking for an album and in the section in the pop and rock section you guys were right there 
Ozo Motley was there, you know, rock, pop, pop? you know, the, that, that section. That's just the way they generalize it. But then I needed to go look for a Latin album that I was looking for, Orishas. They didn't have the record, but then there was an Ozo Motley record in the Latin section. And then for shits and giggles, I'm all like, well, let me go see the hip hop section. And sure enough, there was an Ozomali record there too. I was all like, well, what the? And then, you know, and then they have all these vintage records on the wall that are priced really expensive. And there was a 12 inch of Cut Chemist Suite, I guess this rare version that they were charging a shitload of money for. Wow. I'm also, you guys are in every different genre. How do you guys classify Ozomali? Right now you're 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 scratching a heavy scab here because you're thinking like 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 check it out like it's kind of like the plus of Ozomali but it's been our curse too like what fucking box do we put these guys in and that's always happened to us like I'll never forget like uh, when we were first getting signed and shit and um, you know you know people this is when labels still gave you money wow so you know and that was the thing as a as a kid you know like we're gonna get fucking signed bro. And 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 Gary from Capitol Records wants us to do a show, a showcase, private showcase, just for this vato, <laughs> you know, just for him to see the band. So basically, he was too lazy to go to a fucking club, so he had to bring the club to him <laughs> because they were like, bring all your friends, remember? They were like, bring all your friends, bring everybody. We're going to fucking feed them and all this shit. And I'll never forget, it was like we were playing, the fucking place was jumping, everybody. The story is he walked in, watched us for half a song, and he was like, I don't get it. Like, who the <laughs> fuck is, who, like, he was like, who's, which guy was the front guy? Which guy is this guy? And what style are they? What are they doing? You know, and it's something that is, is, is for me, I love it. Yeah, like, what? we're fucking everything. You know, we're, we're roots music, we're people's music, we're all these other things. But uh, especially in certain things like radio, like it's always been kind of like who plays us who what what you know like it's always been kind Raul of a thing plays us. Yeah. Raul plays us <laughs> KCRW plays in it and that's I think about 90% of the reason why we do everything for Raul is because uh, he's the one vato that plays us over there in Santa Monica thanks Raul <laughs> just don't say raw Ralph. Yeah. No, we 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 slipped it to Ralph. That's just like, hey Ralph. You know, Ozomotli holds the record for the most live performances on Morning Becomes Eclectic at KCR. Really? <laughs> yes. Did you guys know that? No, I didn't. I That's did. crazy. I, I knew that. Oh, see, uh, see, he knew that. Raul knew that. Tocayo. Hey, what's up, brother? Oh yeah. See, last time Pili had a tocaya here, you know, Maria yeah. del Pilar. Our first. Um, wow. Room number seven was with Maria El Pilar, and that's my oh, full yeah. name. Oh, right. So, so I have my tocaya, and now Raul has his tocaya. Tocayo. A tocaya means basically somebody with the same name. So yeah. welcome, tocayo. Hey. You know, <laughs> m most bands and most musicians sound better on an album than they do live, right? What? You know when you play a, a, an album, and then you see them on stage, and you're like, ugh, they suck, they're so bad. I feel like also, you guys are sound great on albums, but I feel, I feel like you guys are... A band to see live. Oh, okay, good. Because I was about to say, but you guys suck live. <laughs> you guys are I was all like preparing live. myself for you're fucking. Like, Pili, like, where are you going with this? No, no, that's good. <laughs> what are your challenges like when you're in the studio versus challenges when you're on stage? It's the same thing. I mean, we're like a bunch of different dudes and we're trying to get along and get together and like and keep it together. And like everyone's different. It's like we're brothers, we're a family, we've been together so long. It's the same thing it's like you know can we just agree on on on, on thing? <laughs> and it's it's a process for us but i think for us like regardless of like some of the things you even you were referencing it's like 
it's always been important for us to be ourselves, you know, whatever that means. And, and at any time in our life, it's different. What we're into is different. Um, but it really is about, uh, like, supporting one another. I know it sounds corny and stuff, but for us, it's, it's what it is. It's like we always refer to each other as, um, you know, to make decisions. And I think that's why we're still a band after, like, you know, after this long. So I, I think that when we're, in a, when we're working like that, it really is about, you know, just trying to work it out. And, and make something that we could be proud of. You know? Well, the live performance is super, just fun. There's people dancing, there's smiles on everybody's faces. What makes the Ozo Motley performance so infectious? I think overall, e even though we play music from all over the world, it's still either music that moves you or that you move to. So it's danceable music. I mean, you can't call us a dance band, but it'd be weird if you're one of the shows and you don't dance. <laughs> this is You'll true. be that one vato that doesn't dance and that's boring. And and I'm a guy that I hate. I'm I'm always in the back of the club, you know. I don't, I don't like dancing because because I suck at it. I know real dancers, but that's why they put me in the back because they don't want me to start because I'll start going on tangents about different things. <laughs> Yeah, Raul looks nervous up here. He's like, fuck, what is he going to say next? What no, is he going to so say next? This is 25 so anyway, years. We're all good. Is, yeah. We're all really, expecting this. I mean, I went to CalArts. So that should explain a lot already. Oh, there you go. CalArts. Cal yeah. yeah. Good luck. Yeah, see, it's a, see, so if you went to CalArts, you know that that's why I'm not on a microphone because anything can happen. <laughs> How's but it going it out there, everybody? <laughs> you guys having a good time? You guys they're having alive, some Jack alive. Daniels? <laughs> Yo, I gotta tell you, the cut chemist sour is dang tasty. It's good, right? It's, yeah. it's very, very notice? similar to his personality. Oh, nice go. and sour. <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed, but <laughs> if you go to the bar, the bar, the drink menu, they're all titles of songs from Ozo Motley. Yeah, so, wait, wait, wait. yeah, Jack Daniels well, went all the way, and Where they made it? their own the drinks based on their songs. Yeah. I'm just curious. What's the cumbia de los muertos drink? Did they you don't make have one for that them? one? I don't think. Uh, no wonder it's because it's because of me, huh? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How many people remember those shows way back in the day when I was? Yeah. You guys remember when everybody found out what my favorite drink was and it was all over the stage? Because I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Illegal intern days. Illegal intern days. I don't remember days. that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Actually, now that you ask, you know, if any of you have been to an Ozo Motley show, I have to say that as soon as we sent out the invitation for tonight, you have no idea how many emails we got back saying, oh, my God, I love Ozo Motley. Oh, my God, Ozo Motley reminds me of this. Oh, my God, Ozo Motley. Like, they're not just here for the drinks? <laughs> no, they're not. Oh, dang. Thank you, everybody. They're not. You guys are awesome. <laughs> dang. And on a Thursday and shit. Dang. I mean, it's, it's pretty That's amazing. Dope. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> So almost it's a blessing, 25 blessing, hashtag blessings. <laughs> almost 25 years. Is there still a song that you guys listen to from Ozomatli that you are still kind of discovering? You know when you hear a song and you're like, I've heard this song 300 times, but every time I hear it, I discover something new or it speaks to me differently. Is there an Ozomatli song that still does that to you? Jesus. What you're gonna talk? Woo! Oh, everybody! <laughs> I don't know exactly what he's talking about, but I've been the percussionist for this band for maybe 21 of those 25 years and in the last three or four years I took over the the drum chair position which is a completely 
different um, responsibility. Like playing percussion, you're kind of up here. Playing drums, you're like the foundation of everything. And so I've had to relearn all the songs or actually just learn all the songs on another another instrument. Um, And so it's kind of been an interesting journey. Man, it's it's all of them. For me, because... I have to learn the details of every every single song over again. Well, it just seems like you've been doing it forever, man. We watch the shows now. It's like you're you're sitting at home and you're you're just so comfortable back there being that backbone of the band. So, congrats. Thanks for noticing. Of course. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Because it's playing with these guys. I've been playing with them for 25 years and I don't always get well, not even recognition. It's just I don't get necessary feedback. I get if I play a mistake, I, oh, yeah, I absolutely it. <laughs> feel it, and that's okay. I accept. I accept that. I accept that responsibility. But if you play amazing, you don't get like a pat on the back, like you were amazing today. No, not, generally not. But it's okay. I, you know, I'm not complaining. <laughs> He's just doing just his job. Just, none, of just doing job. job. Yeah. none of us get a pat on the back for doing our job. Yeah, just play the fucking part right. <laughs> Everybody. Who, who everybody. makes the, the most mistakes? Uh, we all make plenty. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, makes every mistakes. Make, everybody makes a lot of mistakes. <laughs> wow. That's all right. You could say that. No, I he know, was putting I, little rabbit ears behind you. And say the real stuff about everybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just a common thing, though. It's I mean, funny. after 25 years, it's like people. And the other thing is, just, it, everybody will make his mistake, but it's what you do after the mistake that pulls it off. Keep sometimes, smiling. Yeah, because sometimes, like, <laughs> I'm guilty of it. Like, someone makes a mistake, and it's like, it's like if someone just shit in my shoe, you know? It's like, what? Like, it, it's obvious that it's bumming me out, you know, right. physically. And it's like someone, like, the other the other day, Raul ra- ran up to me and Will Dog and was like, just fucking let it go! <laughs> just fucking let it go! Like you know, like meaning okay, what? Uh, like just let the moment go. Uh, the, uh, the 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 mistake. Just let it go. There's an audience there. There they probably most of ninety nine percent of them didn't even fucking realize it was a mistake. Right. But you did, you know? It's kind of the same way of like, you know, when you're playing for a crowd and everybody, you all, everybody's fucking having a good time. Oh, yeah. And there'll be that one guy <laughs> that's like, fuck you. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's like, so fucked up psychologically because then all of a sudden I focus on this person I should be focusing on the thousands of other people that are having a good time but now I'm focusing on him so we had this really funny experience just the other day up in uh, Bend, Oregon and there was this lady that was like no she was just like giving us the stink eye and just fucking talking shit and me and Will Dog we kind of love that we kind of like yeah we feed off that like yeah yeah she hates us yeah (laughs) like fuck yeah and then it almost let us down when she started enjoying herself. Yo, like, oh. but you know what? We have we have some old school trauma from being yes, hated. Yes, you know. Yes. So I think that's where it stems from. When like on our first tour, our first like national tour was the Warp tour, and so we were up there playing oh salsa and fucking hip hop, and there's like people that I don't know. There were kids that think they're hardcore, I guess. Whatever in front of us, like all over the country and every day especially like when we went through the south it would be like there'd be like five people total in front of us like fuck you get your green cards and shit you know and just like yelling at us so and and then directly after that uh we went on tour opening up for offspring the band offspring and then we had like 
5,000 people saying, fuck you, boo, <laughs> boo, all night. So like, and we made it through that shit, except for Buffalo, New York. I don't know why, what but What happened like, in Buffalo, New York? They, they, fucking, they fucking loved us. I don't yeah. know why. That one fucking cold ass place, you know, and um, they loved us. And so we have this like, I think just inherent trauma from those tours, you know, like, but then it was a trip because after like, you know, it was like four months of demoralizing nights like of people just hating us we finally came home and we went to the santa monica pier like uli talked about earlier and there and we we roll up in a van and there was like ten thousand people like waiting for us you know and it was like we came home yeah and it, it just felt so nice to be back you know and and accepted you know and so i think back then we were like what's wrong with us you know but now we're like what's wrong with you like you're tripping you know so uh but yeah we just like to be like so i think it comes stems from the trauma you know of yeah. like that's why we, that's why we focus on that one person that's like Fuck yeah you yeah in totally the back. yeah but i love that because you're like accepting the challenge like i'm gonna win you over yeah. try or you just accept their hate and just like bathe in it, like yeah, you fucking, <laughs> you fucking hate this, cool. You know? Let me play you some more. more. But then it's you know, like you know, just like Will Dog said, but it's like one of those things. Like there was one particular show, Philadelphia. Oh yeah. Nineties, right? And the, it was the whole Mumia Abu Jamal thing. It was very sensitive because, especially in that city, it went down. We dedicate a song to him. The fucking place just goes completely ape shit. Like, fuck these guys. Like, put it to you like this. Even the security was like, yeah, fuck these guys. Go f <laughs> throw shit at them. Wow. We're like, dang. And it, and, it, and it was really fucking intense. And people, everybody's throwing shit at us. Everybody's like, fuck you guys. You know, I mean, it, you name it, we, we got called it. And then it was always, it was really funny because it's like, we had this bi this bus driver that drove Ice-T and drove Parliament and drove all these cool bands and shit. And we called him up and he's like, hey, 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 Pate, we gotta, gotta get out of here, man. These motherfuckers are gonna kill us, dog. Oh, oh, for sure. I used to drive Ice T. I'm gonna come and get you right now. <laughs> like, like, oh, this is just usual shit. Like, oh, they're gonna try to kill you? Okay, yeah. we'll, we'll swoop you up. Nothing new. Yeah, nothing new for him. And, and it, maybe it was that kind of thing, you know, like where, you know, because exactly that. We wanna always present ourselves as like giving our, ourselves completely to the audience, you know? I know you guys are in the middle of the La Familia tour with Los Lobos, Los Lonely Boys, uh, Mariachi Divas, and it's exactly that. You guys are like family all together on stage. Oh yeah, man, that's Theo. That's my cousin. For that's sure. my you know my brother. Maybe not literally, but no, how do you musically, guys think about yeah, musically, those are all super important to our success. You know, we got to play and tour and, and record with all those people with. Santana, we toured with Santana for years, and that was so much fun. And and mainly, I remember the first time we played at the now it's the Honda Center or what? Yeah, the it was the pond. pond. You know, we just got a call, you know, and and we showed up, and we were tripping because we had we hadn't had a record out. He had our EP that he had picked up, and um, you know, it was just connecting musically. That's the thing that we always you kind of get over that space is we're we're all just musicians, you know. So when you have a certain amount of experience. Now it's the same way, you know. There's a uh, there's a young man here who reintroduced himself. He he was a a student at a community center down in downtown LA that we played at, and the and part of the deal was whoever won their competition. Some of us were judges. He got to go open for us. So he came up and said hello. He, wow. he you know. So for us, it's the same kind of thing. It's like we're just we're just playing music, 
and and for us that space is sacred and it's fun and it's enjoyable but it's uh it's safe you know it's safe and when you're together like that it's just a it's really just exchanging learning and i think uh from the get-go it's been like we got we got we got to rock the party and we gotta you know um keep it moving and say some say some cool things well opening doors also for the that next generation i mean we're talking la santa cecilia yeah, cafeteras yeah, yeah, i mean yeah. there's so many great la bands yeah, that are yeah. also fusing this kind of like genres yeah. the cultures the languages and y you guys are really responsible because now they look at you guys like the tios and the yeah, primos yeah. and the 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 godfathers and we know, were taking our cues from yeah. other bands though, like right. mandrill fishbone you know, Oingo Boingo, like you name it, all these bands from LA that were huge for us too. You yeah, know, we're just we're just in line with the with, with so many people. Yeah. yeah, we'll continue to do it. Yeah, that's what we want, yeah. right? <laughs> so, what's next? What would be next for Ozomatli? We have a bunch of shows coming up. Uh, we're always on the road, um, and it's been interesting thing year this year because we went back to Cuba after 20 years. We were there. It was actually our first trip as a band outside of the country. And this was when it wasn't cool to go at all. And we went through Mexico and we spent 10 days there. And it was kind of pretty influential for us as a band just to see everything that was going on there. Then just recently this year, we went back for another cultural exchange. This time, obviously, everything was sanctioned and everything was all, um, um, you know, I guess, worked out between the embassies and everything. But it, it's crazy from that point to this point. Honestly, it's like... We, it's it's such a blessing for us to still be a band, just in general, just to still consider each other family and brothers. It's like these are all original dudes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Give it all up. original I mean, guys. Twenty-five I mean, years fucking, of this. Think about it, yo. Fucking bands don't last for shit, I right? Because <laughs> after a while, you're like, fuck that person. You know, <laughs> whether it's the dough or the ego or you name it, we've been able to work out a way that we can deal with our our problems and our differences. I mean, you, you've seen that movie, the Metallica movie, when they did the whole therapy and shit. Like, we were doing that shit way, way back, where we actually had, you know, somebody, you know, figure out ways to communicate with each other. Because we were all, like, just crazy fucks from, like, 20-year-olds starting, not knowing how to deal with each other's shit, you know? Well, man, 25 years, too. and you guys had people come in and out of the band, and then back with the band. Yeah. It's like... How did you guys overcome some of those challenges? I mean, once, uh, once you're in this band, you know, you're in this band. And when and if you leave over time, if there's some bad blow over time, it all gets put away, you know, and then you, you see each other and it's all good. So I think for us, that's kind of the way we live. And, and anytime we run into people who've been, as ever contributed to this band, it's super important that we recognize there's a lot of people who've, from managers, from, you know, you know all these people who work, who work for you in different ways that it, allowed us to still be here so i think you know we're, we're just we're just the guys doing the music but there's if any of you are in a band or in a music business it takes so much more and so you know we got some new music coming out we're writing songs um we're going to celebrate our 25th anniversary next year we're going to remaster the record we're remaster some, the first record we do some wow. dates with the original crew with charlie and cut and um and we're just you know we're still having fun and i think for me that's, that's which is a crazy important. story in itself because for what was it over 10 years our masters were missing you couldn't find them what? we couldn't find them we were like we would ask the label where's our they, shit they're just like we don't know what yeah and then ended up being in some vault in some mountain somewhere like I the don't know. vault 
the salt. Wait, bowl. someone yeah. just yeah. randomly yeah. found them? No, actually, it because it, 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 as we were getting closer to the twentieth anniversary, we were like, we got to find these fucking tapes. Like, what, who has them? What's going on here? And we had a friend of ours who was on our first label, Almo Sounds, and she worked there. And then she started working, I guess, the process and ended up finding the masters. Wow. And it took like over 10 years to find these fucking things. <laughs> it's crazy. But you guys got them. Yeah. We got them. That's great. And yeah. you were talking about like thank you to the managers oh, that yeah. have been through the process and yeah. the other musicians, yeah. but especially thank you to the audience and oh, the yeah. fans sure. that your fans are, are amazing. How do you describe your fans? I mean, I'm, we're, I think we're super grateful. You know, it's why we still have gigs. You know, yeah. people show up and and uh, people, are, you know what, you know, the way it is now, everyone has a, a different story. I first saw you here. I first saw you there. Me and my lady, this was our first date. This is, oh, I, we did, you know, my I took my kid to this first gig. It was like, so that kind of like, we're part of like people's kind of experience and live music and little moment in their life. For us, that for me, that's always really cool. And just here, so... At like the Greek the other day was like, man, because I, I grew up in Boyle Heights, so it was like, and then you had Los Lobos. <laughs> it was like <laughs> elementary school reunion, you know, junior high school reunion, uh, high school reunion, all wrapped in one. And that was cool that all of you guys had the same exact set time. 45 minutes, that. 45 minutes, that. 45 minutes. There was no headliner, even though somebody was on I first and somebody was on last. But it was still like you guys were just sharing the stage. It was like yeah. equal parts. We were trying to rock that shit. And then <laughs> later. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys so much thank for, you so much, for sharing your, you. your story with us. Raul and Pili, everybody. Raul and Pili, give it up for them. Yeah. Uh, them. <laughs> this is their show. Yeah. Well, we still have a little quick segment that we call Siete Preguntas, which means seven questions at room number seven. And it's kind of like... Rapid I fire. Rapid fire. Okay. Okay, so you can't think about it too much. All right, so... Uh, cool. You guys like, ready? What? No. Answer quickly. All right. Yes, answer Are you guys quickly. ready? Yeah. yeah. Okay, what's your pre-show ritual? Black? We get together. Oh, yeah. Our, as a band, <laughs> yeah. we, we, we do a little huddle right before. How does it look like? What do you guys Just do? Just like, you know, like, go team type shit. Hey, go team. Do it, do it, do it. You know? Because you're about yeah, to start anyway. Go so. to work. Go to work. Raul and Peely on three. Okay. One, two, three. Raul and Peely. Woo! <laughs> Love it. I've actually seen that. Been fortunate enough to be backstage and see that happen. Not with those names, but yeah. see you oh, guys yeah, like yeah. actually get ready to go on stage. So that's awesome. <laughs> cool. Uh, all right, next one. If you weren't a musician, what would you be? Uh, go down the line real quick. A writer. Go. A writer. Uh, broke. He says broke. Broke. <laughs> that's like the same thing as a musician. <laughs> Broker. Justin, we haven't heard Justin he's, on the mic yet. Destined. Grab the mic. What would you be? Go. Soccer player. Okay. <laughs> And I'd probably still be a teacher, but yeah. maybe retired by now. <laughs> uh, I would be a teacher's aide. Yeah. <laughs> Uli? Marihuanero, professional yeah. way. Uh -huh. Of course. That's what you're doing now. That's what I you're, know. Getting, you're getting paid for but that. But I'm saying enter the industry somehow. I don't know. <laughs> what was the first album you bought? First album bought. Go, go. go. Pink Floyd, The Wall. Woo! Yeah. London Calling. Yes. The Clash. Public Enemy? Okay. The Fat Boys. Hey, you don't I'm have to call I, me names. Oh, Why are you calling no, no. me names? Oh, no, no, I love the Fat Boys. Uh, oh, as a kid, you I think I You guys know what the Fat Boys uh, are? Yeah. 
course. The Fat Boys are back. The Fat Boys are back. The B-52's Planet Claire 45, I think. That's what I bought. One of the first records. Uh, it was a Pretender's first record. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. Whatever. <laughs> Musical crush and why? Musical crush and why? And it could be a guy, too. Oh, right no now? Offense, like yeah. it's, uh, You're welcome. Bambino. <laughs> Bambino, who's a guitarist from uh, Northern Africa. Yeah. I, at first, when I heard about him, I, ha I just saw it on YouTube, and then it was like, he was like in the middle of his hometown, Niger, in the middle of North Africa, the desert, rocking this riff. It sounded like Black Sabbath, but like everybody is there in the crowd. Bombino, Bombino! <laughs> I'm just like, this whole mix of everything. And I got to hang out with him after that. I, I searched him and hung out with him, and he just wanted to smoke a joint, and it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, musical crush? Um, I would say uh, Susie from Susie and the Banshees. Because, uh, you know, growing up goth is kind of rough in L.A. You know, you're wearing black and it's summer. It's hot as fuck. And that was my scene. And you got to kind of dedicate yourself. Put that in there. And that's that look. I always thought she was just gorgeous, you know, and just and the music obviously is right. amazing, too. Astro. <laughs> uh oh, the giggle. Uh, no, no, it's, it's nice. It, it was a, it's a tie between. I mean, when I was a teenager, so between. No, uh, talking about the first one, right? Yes, the not, first all one. The <laughs> not all the other ones. Not all the other ones. It was between Sade and Gloria Stefan because, oh. you know, that's a good mix. Yeah, I, I just, you know, the voices, the dances, and I remember I had this magazine. It wasn't like Gloria Stefan ever did a centerfold or nothing, but she was. I was like, orale, Gloria. Jay, <laughs> um, Eddie Palmieri. I think I think because well, I didn't grow up around Latin music and the first time I heard salsa, my friend made a mixtape for me and had all Eddie Palmieri songs. So that's how I kinda got introduced to salsa and Latin music. And he's the best. Mm. I gotta say Zakir Hussein. because mm. oh, cool. uh, he was a big influence on my whole he's probably the reason actually one of the reasons why I'm sitting here. He's a uh, famous tabo player, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> people are like, people are like, like <laughs> probably uh, Bruce Springsteen or Joe Strummer. I mean, Joe Strummer was the first person I actually wanted to be in life, like other than myself. Well, yeah, so yeah, Joe Strummer for sure. But live, like seeing Bruce Springsteen live when I was a child, like changed my life. For sure. If you could time travel, what music era would you go to? The 60s. Ooh, that's a okay. good question. Okay, 60s. Damn. We have to. I would. If he says 60s. I'm gonna say 70s, because the 70s, some fucking heavy shit was going on musically. You know. I mean, it's, it's where everything. I know. Yeah, yeah. 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 Fucking people are like 70s motherfuckers. <laughs> they got the good cocaine. <laughs> well. Donna Summer, fuck yeah. Yeah, Donna Summer. I don't know if I have an answer. It's definitely not the 80s. Uh, okay. I don't want to continue with that. Yeah, okay, 70s probably. Yeah. You can pick the same one and explain yeah, why. Drew is going to say <laughs> the 1920s. <laughs> that was, was actually the player back then. The 20s or 30s. Uh, Maple Leaf Rag. I said the 60s. You can say That's an interesting 60s. question, though, But because, you know, there's, there's so much time. Yeah. Ah, I can't answer it. Okay. But I would go back somewhere where nobody... Let's start going, going back now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Justin? 60s, Motown. Oh, yeah, there you go, of course. That's a good one. Oh, oh, oh. oh dang. Oh. <laughs> you want, homie? 
Represent. Motherfucking uh, Bach Baroque period, dog. What's up? Astro, did you say something? <laughs> yeah. I would probably go to the, between 65 and 75. All right. All right. So I think this could be kind of a group effort, this next one. A backstage anecdote. We got to talk about those, bro. <laughs> one. One? one that's G-rated. Just one okay. backstage one, one that's G-rated. Okay, one that's G-rated. The, the Santana no, story yeah, is... No, we can go R. Okay. R. Well, this is just a f- cool story just because we were really young. We we landed this this tour with Santana, and then it was Mana. And I don't know if you guys know who the fuck Mana is, but they're huge as fuck. They're playing the Forum, goddammit. Seven times. Seven shows. Yes. They're the biggest band you maybe maybe never even heard of, but they're huge. And it was Mana and Santana, and it's us. So we're like the runts, like the scrubs, like the little kids in this thing. And we kind of had that energy too, where we we're just like, yo, we're, we're loving being here. This is amazing. So we would do these after show parties in the back where we would bring an amplifier and and plug a you know back in the day like a cd player and just start busting jams and everyone just start partying and then you know obviously invite people from the from outside in to party with us and then it was funny because we'd be like in there then you'd see like some of the santana band would look in like what the fuck are these guys doing (laughs) oh cool it's a band so next thing you know it's like everybody's in there and everybody's having a great time and i'll never forget we were like i think it was um that that uh one thing about good music when it hits you feel no pain. pain santana fucking runs to the the, the boombox and shuts it off shuts off the music <laughs> and we're and you know at that point anybody does that you're kind of like what the fuck but it's santana so you're ready for some deep shit <laughs> you know and then he starts going into this story about when the political crisis that was going on in Jamaica and he did that show and he had gotten shot right before and how, I guess, medicinal music is and how when it hits you, you feel no pain. Okay, so he went through this fucking tirade of really, really long. Maybe it's because, you know, he's kind of one of those guys when he, he kind of gets high, yeah, he, he talks a lot. You, everybody has that friend. But since it's Santana, you're not going to tell him to shut the fuck up because he, he's telling you dope shit. He's telling you like, yo, man, I was kicking it with Hendrix. And then like, you're not going to fucking say shut up. You're going to be like, dude, tell me more, please. Tell me more, please. And he was going on and on and on about this Bob Marley thing. And at the end of the thing, it's like the whole room stopped and listened to this story. And it was it was interesting, kind of like just this, you know, boom, this moment of, you know, partying. And, and then he just felt the need to tell us this and we were just obviously just as receptive. We weren't just like, yeah, shut the fuck up, dad. You know, like, no, but we were really like, fuck, please tell us, Carlos, por favor. You know? So that was like one of the backstage stories of that tour, you know? What, what year was that? Do you remember? What year that 1998. Was? <laughs> <Yes>. 1998. <laughs> Way back then. Way back then. That's su- such a good story. And that was the thing, because we've always been that kind of band that like opens for people, you know? And we would always be that kind of thing where it's like we did this Lenny Kravitz tour and we would always there would be a, this part of the show where there was this one song that had this horn line. Was it Mama the, said? See, it's ingrained in our subconscious forever. 
That you know was it's the a good cue. story when they're back behind you. They're like, oh yeah, this is a good that's one. This the is a good cue that we would one. go into his room and fucking jack all his writer shit because he had like fancy cheeses and like shrimp, good shit, shrimp, shrimp, like fucking Whole Foods Trader Joe's shit, and we're like getting food for less shit, and we're walking in there jacking. But it was funny because no matter where you were, you could be like listening, you could be backstage, you could be in the bus. Yeah, you, you could be music? like, you heard that cue, you heard that song, you knew that he had maybe three songs left. Yeah. And that was the time that we had to go in there and fucking raid his shit. <laughs> That's a good story. And then it's because of Lenny's staff. On when that happened on that song, his whole staff had to be on stage, yes. like they're ten- tending to him. Oh. Like, are you okay, Lenny? Okay. So that was the time where we took the opportunity to go into his room and just we're fucked up. Boom! We got a box. We got it on videotape still. Yo. Just like boxes, just throwing this shit. Will and Dog then- used to get the Lenny Kravitz backstage pass, oh, all access patch. Straight <laughs> up, go to Kinko's. This is when they weren't fancy. They were yeah. just laminated. It was just colored. It didn't have Yo, like the shiny bucks. thing, you know? <laughs> Selling these shits at 100 bucks. It's so fucked up, right? Like as a kid band, you're like, dude, these dudes are fucked up. They're shooting themselves in the yeah, foot. Uh, oh. You guys hey, are dumb. Survival but of the fittest. That was, that was yeah. our mentality. Always on the hustle. We were oh. stupid hustling. <laughs> oh my God, that is awesome. <laughs> Survival of the fittest right there. Yo, awesome. but Dave Matthews. There's a lot of stuff. Yo. <laughs> Dave Matthews passes are worth more. Yes. Just letting you know. Yes. Okay, lastly, we need one volunteer yeah, yeah, from yeah. the audience. Or, uh, we just need someone with yeah. seven yeah. seconds on their phone. Can you put seven yeah, seconds on your phone? Yeah, somebody with a timer on their phone. Oh, we're still doing the quick. One, one, more, more. one more, one more, one more. Seventh one. Last one, last one, last one. What's right, your biggest hit? Just like, what's your biggest yeah, hit? We don't got none. Oh, yeah, yeah you, you do. do. Come on, yeah, you do. <laughs> just think of one. Of a? Our yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say Cumbia de los Muertos. Okay. Cumbia de los Muertos. Okay, okay. You're going to have seven seconds to sing Cumbia de los Muertos as fast as you can. Okay. Three. Two, one, go! Cumbia, 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 cumbia. That was horrible. It was horrible. We're not good at the speed. We're not good at speed. Yeah. That was six seconds of horrible. So we're opening it up to you guys. Anybody has a question for Ozomotli? Over here. Okay, so who met who first and how'd you guys get started? Where'd you get started? Yeah, it was Uli and Justin. Were you guys the first to meet? Were you at uh, John Burroughs? Yeah, junior high. Jun- junior high school at John Burroughs. I think you were like 14. All right. First of all, I'd like to say uh, thank you for having us here, Raul and Peely. Uh, great time. And Jack Daniels. Oh, cool. I think everybody's having a great time. Uh, one of my questions is, longtime Ozo Motley fan, one of my favorite things you guys do is you guys go into the crowd at the end of the show and celebrate. Uh, one, whose idea was that, and has there ever been any problems with any venues or people that you partied with? Was that Justin's? Or? Yeah, so the, the story of that uh, was Uli and a couple other original members that are no longer in the band um, used to be in a band called Yeska, which was a ska band. And so Ozo Motley was opening for that band, who Uli was in both bands, and so uh, we were opening for them at the Viper Room, I believe. And we were opening, we had like four, every Sunday in one month we played. And the first Sunday, they like totally kicked our ass, right? That band. And so the next, 
the next week I was like thinking I was like and I was just calling people like yo but I wasn't calling Uli because he was in both bands I was like yo we gotta fuck that band up next week like we gotta kill him and so then I called Justin and I was make I made these like shirts that my homeboy Chuvez like made that said chronic on the front and uh, and had this like Egyptian design and so I made that for everybody like and then I, I called Justin in the back and he said, oh, we should do the Samba line coming in. So um, we actually, when we started, we came in through the crowd. Um, and then it was like maybe like a year later that we started. Everyone started like expecting us to be in the back of the room when we started because we did it so much. So then we stopped it and just did it at the end. Um, yeah, and we've had some, uh, the second question was, do we have any problems with venues? I mean, yeah, we've had problems with just like, tripped out security guards and shit but nothing like the too riot at Loyola. oh there was a riot at loyola school with all these cops and shit but it wasn't i don't know it wasn't all right and oh we got arrested actually jiro and i got arrested in austin once for doing it but uh yeah so other than that Typical. No, no problems. Well, yeah. hopefully you guys could do that tonight to show the other people that haven't been here. Oh, no, so you got to pay for that. No, that's only oh. when you buy a ticket do you get that yeah, experience. Yeah, that, that costs extra. Sorry. That costs yeah. extra for Ozomali. That's not, none of the free shows do that. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been, a, I interviewed you guys like 20 years ago, back in LATV days. So it's been a while, and I noticed a lot of you have wedding rings now, and a lot of you, I'm sure, have family. So I'm just curious how everything's changed in, like, two decades and now being family men and going on the road and how you guys balance all that. I'm not married, so I'm not the person to answer that question. <laughs> so everybody, why are you answering that? Every, everybody yeah. else is. I don't know. It's that, I mean, I think it was harder, like, back in the day. I've only been married, I better know this, six years. Um now so uh like now we we only tour we like i guess i average it out it's like three weekends a month so actually life is is pretty chill you know i don't know it's not that you know it's actually better than it used to be so um you know when my kid was growing up like i i missed i missed her like first steps and shit like that yeah i mean it's different but we don't we don't like ever practice like it's rare that we do anything else but play live um, so if you average out, we do three gigs a week, you know, it's pretty chill and we fly out, we fly out the same day that we're playing and we come home the day after. So we're gone like four days a week. It's, it's not bad, you know, and you know, my wife's a workaholic, so it works out. Yeah. So. Okay. Gentlemen, speaking of uh, trouble. So about 15 years ago, I, I saw you guys at the DNC, the Dem democratic national convention at Staples center. I want to hear you guys' version of what happened that day because they put us all if you remember we were all in the cage the city put us in a cage and had you and rage against the machine perform and then the riot police came and started shooting at us with rubber bullets and all i remember last was running up figueroa getting shot at how did you guys escape that craziness and what happened and what's your version of that the same way every, the same way everybody else did <laughs> i mean you know they they came we were playing they shut it down they tried to get people to disperse People, you know, resisted. Yeah. They didn't want to just go, and then and it turned. Then they brought out the the cops on horses, you know, mounted. It was crazy. But remember this, because it was the thing was this. We were like, please, can we play before fucking Rage Against the Machine? 
we're like, dude, like everyone's gonna leave after them or whatever's, you know, you know, they're a huge band, and we're just like, dude, let us play. No, they want to play first. Da, da, da. We're like, fuck it, we're gonna play right after them. So the thing was is that when we played, I don't know if this was part of the LAPD's, I you know, tactic as far as like just to shut the shit down, but like literally a song into our set, they were like. It's over. It's done. And if I remember correctly, too, they told the crowd of over 10,000 people they had to evacuate in 15 minutes. Now, it's probably going to take 15 minutes just to clear this fucking room. So think about like 10,000 people. You know what I mean? It's like it's not going to happen. So it was like almost like their perfect excuse is to fucking just go nuts on people. And I remember that, too. Like we went into the crowd after they shut the sound on us because I'm pretty sure at that by that point, like rage was out of there. And we jumped into the crowd and we're like, fuck it, we're going to still do the Samba. That's when they started like shooting rubber bullets and we just kind of ran with everybody else down Figueroa. If you listen to our second record, there's a song called Embrace the Chaos. In the beginning, there's a recording of people people getting shot with rubber bullets. Yeah, that was like, I forgot who recorded it, but yeah. There was a t-shirt that came out that says, Free the Ozos. That was from the Austin show. Yes, Austin, Texas. How did that come about? Okay, so that, sh- that story is is that we were playing a club in Austin at South by Southwest. Do you guys know what that is? It's like, yeah, it's like a big industry jerk-off thing. But now it used to be like a pretty serious, it used to be a pretty serious music festival for unknown bands to get signed. Now it's whatever's. Anyways, but it's, you know, it's probably still important. But anyways, we're, but, you know, we're playing at this club and the, the, the owner of the club is like, yo, you guys, I mean, now, now they have the streets closed off, right? So it's like pedestrian friendly. There's no cars. You guys should fucking take the crowd out to the street. And that way we can clear the club and everyone's having a fucking great old time. That's a great idea. Boom. We do it. We're going out right when we're pulling out. That's when like there, there happened to be some Austin PD there that were like, you guys get the fuck back in. Now, all of a sudden there's fucking 500 people trying to get out and we're right there at the doorway. It's not going to happen. So they're pushing us out. And then that's when it was just a huge melee. And like, as Will Dog had mentioned, Will and Jiro and our manager got arrested. Jiro was actually facing the worst charges because they were trying to get his ass for assaulting a police officer. In fucking Texas, homie. I mean, for those of you who can see him, he's a violent motherfucker. Yeah, Look at him. He, Look he's at him. the worst the motherfucker. Looks like he's up to no good. But they were trying to nail him, and we had this hippie Texas lawyer, right? Yeah, that that smoked awesome. a lot of weed that got him out. And, and that was the thing, though, because it was like, hello, this is the music capital of the world or the country or whatever the fuck they were saying about the festival. And then they were saying, you know, like, how are we arresting musicians for playing music on the street? It just, it, it created a really bad look for everything. So the city was trying to apologize to us and give us a seat of the city. But yet these charges were still floating over Jiro's head. So we were like, fuck you until this is resolved. It was a huge mess. But in a weird way, it gave us a certain infamy. Like, we made the front page of the paper the next day, dude. Now you know. Like, so it was it, crazy. It, it is was it crazy. any publicity is good publicity? I guess so. But, uh, you know, but we had press conferences. People were like, made, we made those shirts. Will Dog made those shirts. Oh, I forgot who made the shirts. But we gave those shirts to all the, what do they call the... Um, pedicabs you know those dudes on the bikes that pe- we gave all you know like fuck it you're gonna ever advertise for us and everybody was like for to this day people still remember that you know 
Jiro took a heavy one, dude. Imagine doing time in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Once again, thank you for supporting Pili Raul in La Musica right here, room number seven in vivo. Thank you. So once again, also Molly, everybody. Audience, thank you. Gracias for checking out our podcast. Hey, and special thanks to Ulises El Licenciado Lozano for our amazing theme song. Our mix and recording engineer, Mario Diaz. Our artistic director, Dak. And can't forget about our sponsors, Pili. No, Raul, United Airlines, Sure Microphones, and Jack Daniels. Gracias for supporting La Musica Latina. And for more information and other episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast at Pili, Raul, and La Musica. Hey, make sure to tell your tía, abuelo, primas, everybody to subscribe. A todos. <laughs> <laughs>